Welcome to the Beltline Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you found us. Please take a second and hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified of these weekly podcasts. Most of all, we hope this podcast will help you take your next step with Jesus. If you want to know more about us, you can visit us at www.beltlinechurchofchrist.org. Here's today's lesson. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. Um, Usually when we uh, open up to this passage in verse 11, we have a heading that says the parable of the lost son or or, or maybe the prodigal son, right? And uh, this morning I'd like for you to... uh, so to read along with me, but instead of thinking of the prodigal son, I'd like for you to, to keep in mind the lost sons, plural, and to consider the fact that both of these sons exhibit and show us an attitude and, and behavior of, of those who are lost. Both of these sons are lost, and I, I hope that we can understand that and, and come to, to see that as we go through this study this morning. Read along with me, starting in verse 11. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings. He moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father, and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. The father ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine. He was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. And meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard the music and he heard the dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother's back, he was told. Your father has killed the fattened calf and we're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in. And the father came out and begged him. The older brother replied, all these years I've slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never even gave me one of the young goats for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. 
We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead. He has come back to life. He was lost, but now, now he's found. This is a story that Jesus is telling. This is a parable. This isn't a, a real life account. He's telling the story. And I think sometimes we hear this and we say, yeah, but maybe later he went in, right? Maybe later the, the older son changed his mind and he went on in and he celebrated. But Jesus ends the story right here and he's making a shocking point not only to those who were hearing him right then when he was saying it, I think it should be shocking to us also. At the heart of this story, we have a family. And this family is experiencing a terrible breakdown, a crisis, a crisis of identity, a crisis of, of purpose, a crisis of devotion. Family is the first community we know. And its design is straight from, from the Trinity, from the triune God of creation. God is revealed to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct persons, a community. A community, and we are now placed in these small communities that we call families, right? And this family is experiencing this breakdown. And while it's not necessarily the main thrust of Jesus' teaching in this passage, I hope that our thoughts can lead into this concept of the breakdown of community and even the breakdown of our family. Something that we are experiencing on a national level in our country right now. A breakdown of, of community, a breakdown of society, uh, uh, looking at, at one another with distrust rather than hoping for the best from and in each other. How did this little community, this family collapse? And how, did knowing, how, how could knowing these things and, and learning from this little family help you and your family? I think Jesus is going to make powerful points for us from this, this family struggle. First, this crisis of identity. Most of this story is about the younger son, isn't it? And his crisis, the crisis that he brings on to his family. He's, he's identifying with the culture around him rather than with his father, rather than with his family. He gets his identity in his mind and he starts to think that he is what other people have said that he is. Whatever that is, I think we see it bearing out in the way that he behaves and so he goes along with that identity, right? He, he takes it on as if it's true about himself. The Holy Spirit in 1 John 2 tells us, do not love this world nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, a pride in our achievement and possessions. These are not from the Father. They're from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. This younger son, he's identified with the culture around him. He's, he's identified with friends rather than his family. He, he doesn't remember or, or own or, or, or understand what has been done to give him this life, to give him this place in life. And because he started to believe the things of his community, of, of, of his culture, he's forgotten that he belongs to this community, to this family. There was a man, his name was August Landmesser. August Landmesser, he was captured in this picture, refusing to salute with all the other workers at a shipyard in Hamburg, Germany on June 13th, 1936. You see this guy? I've got a little bit closer up picture also. Here, here's this guy. You see his arms crossed? You know why? 
You know why he's not going along with his community, with, with his culture, with, with the things that are being said? He's got his arms crossed. Now, he's not Jewish, but he's listened to a speech about what monsters Jewish people are, according to those Nazis. He's listened to a speech about how evil they are and what they've done to their society. He's listening to this, and he's got his arms crossed. Why? He's close friends with some Jewish people. He knows them. He knows that they aren't monsters. In fact, he's planning to ask a Jewish girl if she'll be his wife. He's in love. You see, he knows this family, and it changes everything about what he sees in his culture. He knows who he is because of the love that he gives and has received from a certain group of people. And no matter what happens all around him in his culture, no matter how many people slide with this society into Nazism and into the evils that we know are coming, by the way, which he did not know at this moment in time, he didn't know how far this was going to go at this moment in time, but he refused. He refused to be a part of it. Because of this picture, they forced him into service in the military, and he was killed shortly after arriving at boot camp. And it was because of his refusal to go along with what was happening in society. What about you? Do you know that you've been given a name? Do you realize that you've been given a community? I want to encourage you, don't allow the enemy to confuse you with lies and with deception. Don't allow the enemy to convince you that you're part of this world rather than a part of the family of God. Don't let this world confuse you as to your identity, as to why you're here and, and what you're here to do. You, you have a serious and wonderful family, a community that you're a part of. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, the Holy Spirit tells us, now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. He says, don't look back, don't look around. You keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And he says, verse 7, let your roots grow down into Jesus. Let your lives be built on Jesus. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow in thankfulness. You'll be so thankful because you've allowed your roots to grow strong into the truth of your identity. You're the beloved of God. Verse 8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, with high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. You're complete in Christ. You have everything you need to identify yourself in Jesus Christ. When you realize who he is, you know who you are. You know who you are. You have a solid identity. You don't need to worry about what anybody else says about you or calls you. What you need to be focused on is what God calls you, and he calls you son. He calls you daughter. He, he, he says he declares, you are a part of his family, his beloved. You are a part of what God is doing in this world to bring about good. And so you stand against the society. You stand against those, those things that are in culture that would take us away from him. You live a counter-cultural life as a Christian who keeps his faith in Jesus Christ and who walks 
who walks with confidence in all that God has promised to you as his child. Yeah, this, this family, it takes this first attack from Satan, and it's an attack on its identity. Is Satan attacking you this way? Is Satan uh, somehow coming against you and, and telling you that your identity is wrapped up in your sexual desires? That your identity is wrapped up in your sin? Uh, that, that your identity is, is just your abilities, the things that you're good at? Is Satan lying to you and trying to convince you that your identity is anything other than the beloved of your heavenly father? Don't believe him. Don't give in. You're not a political party. You're, you're not a part of this culture. You're a part of Christ. You're a Christian. You've been given a name. You've been given a community. So thrive in that community and make sure that the message of that community, the message that is an invitation to come in, an invitation to anyone who will to come and be a part of this beloved family, that that's your message, that your identity gives that message to everyone else that you see. Grow deeper into the family of God. Let him fill you with his righteousness. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, a scripture we know well, he says all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true. If you wonder what's true, if you start to be confused about what is right and what is wrong, the Holy Spirit says, listen, come to the scriptures. Come to the Bible. Listen, it will guide you into what is true. It will make sure that you are confirmed in the truth when you read what the Bible actually says. This is truth. It makes us to realize what is wrong. It corrects us. It helps us that when we start to believe some of the things in culture and we read our Bible, it corrects that thinking and points us back to Jesus. It brings us back to our real identity in Christ through correction. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us what to do that is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You can know the good work that needs to be done. You can stand in a crowd of those who would follow the evil one with your arms crossed, with your confidence in Jesus and say, oh no, I won't go there. No, because I've been sent to love. I've been sent to, to carry a message of love, a message of grace to a world in desperate need of salvation. Yeah, this family is experiencing a crisis of identity and I, I hope that your family is not experiencing that, but if it is, you have a remedy. You have a remedy in Jesus Christ. Open the Bible. Listen to what the Bible says. Listen to Jesus' teaching about love. And then make sure it is exhibited in your life. Don't have a crisis of identity. Cast your identity deep into the love of God. Secondly, this family is facing a crisis of purpose. A crisis of purpose purpose. This younger son has now realized his error, right? He comes to himself, it says. He realizes what he's done. He realizes that he's left his father. You know, when he asks his fathers for everything, uh, Jesus uses a word there. He actually refers to his life. He's not just talking about his things because the father actually had to, to sell property. He would have had to have sold something in order to give this son. And when you sell your property in that day and age, you're selling yourself. You're giving of yourself. And so the son is saying, give me your life. Give me my portion of your life. And then he goes and wastes it in sin. Then he goes and just throws it away. He shows what the father's life is worth to him by the way that he behaves with what the father gives to him. He has a crisis of purpose and he decides to go home. And that's great. But instead of going home in, in humility, instead of going home and saying, I, I need you, 
He says, I want to be a hired servant. He says, I want, to be, I want to be able to earn my way back. I want to work in order to achieve your love. I want to work my way back in. I don't want to just come back in. I want you to, to give me grace. I don't want you to accept me. I've done so much wrong. I'm going to earn my way back, though. I'm going to be so good now that you'll have to let me back in. He's still trying to gain control of his father's things. He's still trying to, to capture control over the things that he wants, but he doesn't want the father. He still doesn't want the father. He just wants to be a part of what the father has. He wants to have his father's stuff. He says, I'm coming back, but I want to earn my way back. And the Holy Spirit, he guides us when we think wrongly like this. In Ephesians 2, in verse 8, he says, God saved you by his grace when you believe. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. No one can boast about it. For we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Is there good things to be done? Absolutely. Do those things earn us our salvation? Do those things uh, somehow put God in debt to us because of what we've done, because of how good we are? Absolutely not. You're saved by grace through faith. Put your faith in the only one who can save. Put your faith in him, and because of what he's done for you, now go and serve someone else. Go and do those good things that he prepared beforehand. Go and be the person who he's called you to be. You're not earning your way back into this family. You come in by grace. Because of his identity crisis, the young son now has misapplied his purpose in life. In John 1 and verse 12, it tells us, all who believed him and accepted Jesus now he has given them the right to become the children of God. Yeah, this young man's off course. He's off course because we know that, that in, in verse, uh, chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 26, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. But this young son, he's off course. Did you know that a child has a purpose? child's purpose is to bring joy to their parents. A child's purpose is to bring joy to their parents. That's what a purpose, what purpose a child has. Proverbs 15 and verse 20. Sensible children bring joy to their father. Foolish children despise their mother. Children are to bring joy to their parents. Young people, you aren't here because you earned your place in your family. You didn't earn your place. No, you were born of the love of your parents. You're evidence of your parents' loves. The, 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 your existence and your place in this family is because your parents loved each other. And you were born from love, and now God expects you to become love in your own life. You came from love, and you are to become love. This is your purpose. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, 
we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, listen to this, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. God's love is brought to full expression when we love each other. When we share that, when we become love, when we love others, especially our our family, especially the people that we live closest to, especially those who we're in proximity of, to pour our love on them, to lavish them with our love, to bring joy to their hearts because of our existence, because our existence is based on love. The second attack this family sustains is that they're confused as to their purpose. Do you know your purpose? Do you understand that you are to bring joy to your Father in heaven and that that is your life's purpose? That our, our place in this world and creation is to bring glory to God, to, to bring joy to his heart and to allow his joy to, to live through us as we go through this life. Ecclesiastes 12, he says, this is the whole story. Here's the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is everyone's duty. This is what you're here for. In Psalm 73, verse 26, he says, My health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Forever. What's your purpose in life? I think Jesus wraps it up well in Mark 12, 30. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love him with all your soul and all your mind. Love God with all your strength. And the second command is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these love. Your purpose is love. When you behave in any other way, you're not living out your purpose. When you allow anger to control you, when you, when you allow lust to control you, when you chase after things rather than chasing after God, you're not living out your purpose. Your purpose is love. Your purpose is, is to become love and to share love. Don't have a crisis of purpose, but if you are in a crisis of purpose, you have a remedy. You can go back to the scriptures. You can go back to your father who's going to run to you with outstretched arms and welcome you home as a son, as a daughter. That's his child. Last, this family is facing a crisis of devotion. Isn't it obvious? These boys are not devoted to their father. These boys are devoted to their father's things. The lack of devotion displayed by the younger brother is, is proven to be in the other bro- older brother's heart just as well, right? They aren't devoted to their father. They're devoted to his stuff, his wealth, the status that they have because they are his sons. All that they have, have been seen as in this culture, in society, because they belong to this wealthy father. And because of that, now this entitlement has come into their hearts and this, this rotten core has grown in their lives. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. I think our worship minister was just speaking about this, wasn't he? Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. Are you confident before God? Are you ready to stand there as a son, as a daughter of his? Scripture has a lot to say about divided interests, doesn't it? Uh, when, we, when we're concentrating on one thing, but we say we're doing something else. When, when we're chasing after one, one direction, but, but we say we're going in a, in a better direction. 
Scripture has a lot to say about these divided interests, doesn't it? James 1 and verse 8, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. This is a life that's falling apart, and this younger son, he displays it really well for us, but the older does too. The older brother, he displays it just as much as the younger son did. He just does it in a different way. We need to start asking ourselves, am I more like the younger son living in rebellion and wasting the blessings of my father? Or am I more like the older son who's done everything right, but not for the right reason? Who's gone through all the right motions and and, and obeyed everything and yet never wanted the father in the first place? Never actually desired him, just wanted his stuff, just wanted his things and were devoted to myself rather than to him. Here's this younger son. He, he asks to be a slave. And, and did you notice that the older son, he thinks of himself as a slave. The younger son comes home. The older son, what's he doing? Working. He's working. He's punching that card, right? He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's earning his way, just like the younger son thinks he's going to do himself. He wants to be like his older brother. Still no connection to the father, but Looks like he's doing the right thing. These are two lost sons, not just one. These are two lost sons, and they represent us. Either you're like the younger son, you've lived in rebellion, or you're like the older son, and you've lived according to the rules. You followed the Ten Commandments. You've, you've put uh, church first. You've been there every time the doors are open. But when you leave, what do you do? Are you angry? Are you angry because life doesn't go the way you think it should? Because all the blessings don't seem to be adding up and and giving you what you really want in life? And you're, you're, you're left praying and saying, God, where's my money? Where's my stuff? Why don't I have your blessings in this? Why aren't I doing better in life? I'm, I've gone through all the, the things I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm at church. I, I read my Bible. I say my prayers. Is there anger because you haven't gotten what you want? It's because you wanted the wrong thing. You didn't want God. You wanted God's stuff. Yeah, these brothers, they aren't devoted to the Father. They're devoted to themselves. To somehow controlling their Father's wealth so that they can do what they want to do. I want to encourage you not to allow yourself to become distracted. Don't, don't let yourself go chasing after those things. You know, too often uh, we, we, we let ourselves be directed by these phones, don't we? They make a little chime, a little noise, and immediately they've got to come out of the pocket and they've got to be viewed. And, and maybe you have yours set up. Darcy put a, a screen time uh, notice on mine. Every Sunday it pops up first thing. Hey, Dad, this is how much time you've spent on your phone this week. Sometimes it's like five hours a day. I say that to my shame. How many hours did I spend with Jesus? Am I allowing this to be the thing that I'm after? That I want more than him? I'd like you to look at this picture. What What do you think of this? What is this dog? What is this dog? I'll tell you what he is. He's distracted, okay? This dog is distracted. And we are too, folks. We're chasing after every stick in the park. We're going after everything we can when really there's just one thing we need. There's just one thing we need. His name is Jesus. 
And his way of life is the way of life that we should be living. We shouldn't be chasing after every little, every little thing, everything that catches our eye, every chime that goes off in our pocket, every word that comes from this culture, every direction that we're pointed in. No, we need to stay focused on Jesus Christ and allow all the distractions to be washed away by his sacrifice. And that's what his sacrifice will do. It'll melt your heart so that all these things, they just fade into the past. What are you devoted to? Let me ask you this, and this is getting real, okay? And <laughs> I know that we've been through a rough season. We've been through a tough time with, with COVID. And, and a lot of weight has been placed on individuals to carry, to, to help this church move forward, to help your families do as well or, or as best as you can through this time. And, and maybe some of us have taken on even more of a load. And we look around at our other brothers and sisters and we think, why aren't they helping? Why aren't they doing more? And we start to, to, to take on the attitude of the older brother, of one who says, look at all I'm doing for you. I'm slaving for you. And they're doing nothing. And it leads to burnout. It, it leads to anger. It, it leads to us thinking, hey, I'm owed something here. That is not the attitude of Christ. I want to encourage you to capture your thoughts and bring them to submission to Jesus Christ. Quit thinking of your, of your Christian life as a duty and realize that it should be the beauty of your life. It should be the most beautiful thing about you. Rather than it being this, this slavish duty that you've got to perform and you've got to achieve and, and you've got to check this off your list and this is what's got to be done. Don't you realize it's a beauty to be a part of the body of Christ? Don't you know that it's a, it's a beautiful thing to, to embody Jesus Christ and to try to share his love with someone else, to speak the name of Jesus everywhere you go, like Steve tells us, to love someone else, just to pour your heart out to someone else. Don't be distracted. Center your life on Jesus. Go back to the Bible. Remember who you are. Remember what your purpose is. And then devote yourself to it. He said, Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Don't worry about all those things. God's got this, and he's going to lead you into where you need to be. Be devoted to King Jesus and his church. As people of God, we're no, we know what we're supposed to be about. We know that we're supposed to be seeking and saving the lost, just as Jesus did. And what we don't realize so often is sometimes we think of it in terms of good guys and bad guys. We like to do that, don't we? Boy, Saturday's full of it. And good guys and bad guys. Good guys and bad guys. My team and your team. My color, your color. My, my desire, your desire. What I want as opposed to what someone else wants. The truth is there's not good guys and bad guys. There's not a good son and a bad son here. There's two lost sons. And you know, the, the, the one who's closest to being found is the one who humbled himself. Humility. That's the key. The one who humbled himself. He didn't even get it right when he humbled himself. He says, I want to come back and earn my way, right? He didn't even get it right. And yet the father rushes out to him. He, he throws a cloak on his shoulders. He, he puts a ring on his finger, which signifies he's not just going to be a servant. He's restored as a son. He has the ability to sign contracts now with that ring. This is full sonship that this boy receives when he comes home. His father runs to him and he blesses him with this. And he takes him into the, to the party of salvation. And the older son, he's got the ring on. He's working, he's slaving as he calls it. 
and he won't go in. The father has to come out of this great party, this grand, wonderful time. He has to come out of it in order to entreat the older son. I would say the one that represents those Pharisees, the one that most represents me. He has to say, come on, come in. The son says, no. No, I'm not coming in. I'm not coming in because you let him waste our stuff. You let him waste what I really wanted. Jesus' last command should be our first priority. Go, teach, baptize, teach some more. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go and teach someone. Go and love someone. Go pour what you've received into someone else. Go give it away. Go help someone else. Understand and then live out the truth. Don't hold it in. And don't think that somehow you're earning your salvation because you've sacrificed so much for God and you're worth so much to him. Oh, you are worth so much to him, but it's because of what he's done, not because of what you've done. His love for you runs so deep. And whether you're like the young son and you've lived in rebellion or you're like the older son and you've always been here and yet somehow it's made you angry, it's made you distant, it's made you look down on others who don't do as much as you, turn to Jesus because he's the true big brother, isn't he? He's the one who did everything. He's the one who did it all. And he then gifts it to you and me as his younger brothers and sisters. He gives it to us and he says, welcome in. Come in to the feast. Come in to the, the party, the celebration of your salvation. Come in and, and take part in all that he has done. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, then, then Christ will make his home in your heart. Have you come in? Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. And then your roots, they can grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life, with all the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or even think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You want to take part in this? Do you want to come into the party? Do you want to, to be the, the one who is found? Then humble yourself before God. Praise him for what he's done. Bring joy to his heart as a child, as a faithful child. Turn your life back over to him. All through Luke chapter 15, we read about lost things. You don't have to be lost. You can be found. And, and this church, oh, we, are, we are on a path together right now as we're striving to take the next step with Jesus. As a church family, we want to take the next step with Jesus and we want to encourage you to take the next step with Jesus. Now, your next step, it, it might be you need to repent of your past you need to walk away from the pigsty and come back to your father. It may be that you've been here all along and you need to renew your purpose and your understanding of all that he's done. Thanks again for listening. If you are in North Alabama, we would love to have you visit and worship with us. Also, if this lesson blessed you today, don't forget to hit the share button and share this message with someone else. Hope you will join us again next week. As we close, here is our prayer for you. 
I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week.